and welcome to Dog Tales, conversations with the pet dog trainers of Europe. If you're a dog lover who appreciates the companionship, playfulness and amazing instincts of dogs, this podcast is for you. You'll gain knowledge about how dogs communicate and see the world, which will deepen and enhance your relationship with them. I'm Serena Kriegbaum Young. And I'm Harriet Alexander. Together, we'll be your hosts as we chat to canine experts across the globe. We are dog lovers, dog teachers, human teachers, and members of the Pet Dog Trainers of Europe, or PDTE. The PDTE is a worldwide community of dog professionals who want to build a better and more empathetic world for dogs and the humans. Visit pdte.eu to learn more. This year, many people have brought a new puppy or dog into their lives, and there's been lots of discussion about how to do this in the best way possible. One area that is not often talked about, though, is introducing a new dog into your home when you already have a current dog. So we're delighted today to have Jenny Goldsby from Australia to talk to us about the topic of multi-dog households. Jenny lives just outside Brisbane and has always had second, third and fourth hand dogs and has always lived in multi-dog households consisting of different breeds with different personalities. She cites these dogs as her greatest teachers and inspiration. Jenny is the owner of The Complete Pet Company, a health and wellness business for pets that has been going strong for 18 years. In 2006, she opened her own business called Complete Canine Communication. Jenny's thirst for knowledge and cutting-edge information led her to many different countries, including Norway, Germany, Spain, and England, and she has also completed the IDT with Turud Rugas in Spain. So Jenny, we are really excited to have you on the podcast, and I'm also very pleased to welcome another Aussie to the show. <laughs> and thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you. Welcome, That's also. a great introduction. Thank you. <laughs> great to meet you, Jenny. So and you and you too, Serena. Yes, you're, you're a you're a long way from us. Yeah, a little further. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so today, the, today's topic for me is really I love it because I live in a multi-dog household as well. So I like to hear other person's um, input on this. Um, but before we really start talking about the, the topic itself, tell us a little bit about your own multi-dog household and how many dogs you live with and what's the constellation in your, in your home? Oh, my goodness. Um, so at the moment, I only have five dogs. Um, and that sounds really weird, I know, but I normally have, you know, six or seven. And I was thinking about it today, actually. Uh, it's uh, since I was I've, since I've been an adult, um, I've always had six and seven dogs. So that's really strange. You know, I think in my twenties I had one dog and that was it. So at the moment, um, I have they range from two and a half, and that would be Douglas and Granny May. She's three, um, and Douglas and Granny May are what we call here uh, bull Arabs. So they're like a, a breed of dog for um, pig hunting. So they're very very big, powerful dogs. We actually call them the gladiators. Um, my two dogs, that is. And then we've got Mona Lisa. She's six and we've only had her nine months and she's a greyhound. And we've got Jet the Great Dane and he's 12. And we have Dallas the greyhound and he's 12 as well. So that's my family. Mm. Wow, what a mix. What a mix. <laughs> so so yeah. your biggest one is the Great Dane, I suppose? Yes. yes. As far as size, yeah. And the smallest one? Uh, the smallest one, I guess, would be Granny May. She's uh, 
she's still quite large. She's about 44, 45 kilo. Okay. Um, she's yeah. a very big, powerful breed. So she's got sort of bull terrier, mm -hmm. a bit of great Dane, um, Irish wolfhound in there. So there's some very big sort of powerful breeds. So she's a very mm. pokey, um, square looking, very powerful dog. <laughs> mm. So you got all large dogs. Cool. Cool. All large dogs. Yeah. And of course mm. the great Dane, I've always been very passionate about. So I've had quite a few great Danes over the years. Wow. I've had 22 dogs in total. Mm, wow. wow okay <laughs> amazing yeah yeah and so from that perspective i guess um what in your opinion are the advantages of having more than one dog maybe firstly for the human but also for the dogs themselves oh wow well um for me i don't think we can ever have enough dogs um i love having dogs around me and i think it's a great opportunity for us as humans to learn um, about dogs. Um, I think they bring a lot to the home. They bring a lot of enjoyment and um, fun to the home. And it's also really comforting for us as owners when we go out to know that those dogs have um, some other social contact around them of the same species. And if it's a rescue dog, I think it's a great opportunity for us to give another dog a home that's um, been let down by humans before. Um, and I think advantages for the dogs, well, when we look at the dog, it's a very social animal, so they love spending time together with their own kind, but they also like spending time with us humans. Um, they understand each other really well. And of course, it's security in numbers and, and dogs like to have, you know, that, that security in numbers, which is important. And, uh, and again, for them, it also means when the humans are out that they've got, you know, social contact and company with their own species. Um, and, you know, I know from living, um, Serena, you would probably say the same thing. They do everything together, you know, they eat together, they learn everything together. Um, they sleep together, they explore together, they do activities together, um, they play together, and they even groom each other. So uh, they spend a lot of time, you know, with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds lovely. Um, <laughs> now, of course, it's not, it's not always that easy and simple, I think, uh, living with multi-dogs and more than one dog, I guess. And I have only two dogs and I've had a couple dogs um, for, for quite some time now. But so there are potential challenges, obviously, also um, in my household, in, in this case, in my, my two dogs that I have not, right now, they don't actually get along that great all the time. So ah. we have the challenge of they're both also very large and strong and they're not always best friends, let's just say. <laughs> so, right. um, but in your experience and, you know, having a lot more experience that I have, um, what are the potential challenges of such a multi-dog household? Well, like you said, there are a lot, many, many challenges. And I think it's, um, you know, not something that people should just do on a whim. Um, and the first question, of course, is when you bring another dog into your home, if you've got an existing dog or dogs, is exactly that. Are they going to get on? And, of course, once you've got them, you've got them. Um, so I think some of the challenges that we face is, you know, not understanding the breed and the style and the size and the strength of the dog, but more importantly, age, um, which I talk a lot about with people because I don't think we really understand how important age is. 
as well as having a really good understanding of language and behaviour. So they're some of the challenges that I think we face um, with, you know, when people just go out and get another dog. It's sort of like a revolving door, I guess. I look at it like there's forever change. You know, you don't just bring these dogs into your home and everything remains the same. They're growing and developing and changing all the time. And, you know, dogs that come in that are quite fearful, you know, they may have had a bit of a rough time before, you know, as they grow and develop, you know, and that can take 12 months, you start to see these big changes come through. And like I said, age plays a huge factor, um, as well as that challenge, like you said, Serena, of them not getting on. And I've had that too in the past. And some dogs have favourites, you know, so you find, especially when you're getting up around, you know, three, four, five, six, seven dogs, you know, you find that some get on better than others. Some like their space, some like to be alone, and some are more active than other. So um, that can be a change. And also, you know, thinking about the things in my home, I guess a massive challenge that I face is just taking a dog out of the group. So, you know, I'm, I might go, you know, today I'm going to take so-and-so out for a walk on their own or mm. whatever it might be bringing them back in that's huge mm. you can't just open the door and walk back in and say hey we're here because um, you know if, or if you go to the vet because the dog has different smells it's been different places and it gets swamped by the other dogs and that can be enough simply for a dog fight so, you know, we need to make sure that we look at those challenges and work out how we're going to do that. Mm -hmm. Feeding time mm -hmm. is a challenge and, you know, that can be massive. So I find also rescue dogs, dogs that have been um, starved are especially protective over their food and especially bones. And for someone like me, I feed a bone a day. So that's 365 bones a year. Um, they get a bone every day. So, you know, you have to be very careful of that. Also affection. You know, you have some dogs that are pushier than other dogs. Toys are a challenge. Small areas can be a challenge, you know, like kitchens and hallways, front doors, all of those sorts of things. And also heightened, um, you know, situations like visitors at the front door, someone pulling up, another dog, you know, walking past the fence, something like that can be a heightened, uh, you know, activity where, you know, a dog fight could happen. So going out on holidays, taking your dogs away is a challenge. Just, you know, having the car that's big enough to put them in is a challenge. Washing their bedding and, you know, all of those things can be a massive challenge. So there's loads, mm. loads and loads. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, mm. it's not straightforward, you know. Yeah. And um, we've got an interesting thing going on at the moment where we've got, I live on the top of a mountain and down in the valley we've got um, a lot of dogs, you know, that live on properties down there. So we have a lot of talking going on now, which we, we didn't have before, but there's been a change in my group of dogs and um, the greyhounds funny enough have decided they want to have a little conversation with the dogs down in the valley so we can get howling at two o'clock in the morning so you can imagine my lounge room mm. um, with five dogs howling five big dogs howling mm. that's a challenge mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, <boy. Yeah. laughs> 
Wow. I yeah. can imagine. And, and, you, and you live, uh, like you said, on top of a mountain, but I guess really like in the country, I suppose, not in, the, in an apartment. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. But having said that, Serena, I lived in suburbia for years with seven dogs. Um, and those dogs were German Shepherds, um, an Amstaff, Great Danes, Kelpies, mm -hmm. cattle dogs. So um, I have lived in both. Okay. And, you know, uh, yeah. And a whole, whole different set of, of issues, maybe if you have a lot of neighbors. And yeah. I was going to say, especially with the laws that are, are um, you know, in Australia, I'm not quite sure what they're like, you know, in other places, but they're mm -hmm. pretty strict here in Australia okay. with barking dogs and those oh, sorts okay. of things. Uh, you know, like I said, I think the biggest challenge that we face. Um, you know, any of us that are working with dogs is we just don't understand ages well enough mm. and stages of development. And I mm. think that's one of the, um, as well as stress levels and enrichment mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, all those sorts of things. But age is a massive factor mm. um, with all problems, you know. So say that um, you've mentioned some of some of the things already, but say I'm a dog parent and I've decided that it's time to bring another dog into the family. Um, you know, you've mentioned obviously age and a couple of other things, but what else do you think, you know, I would need to think about and what are the most common mistakes that people tend to make in your experience when they do bring a dog home for the first time? Sure. Um, and I do consults uh, about this. So, you know, it's, it, it's a great topic to talk about. I think the first thing is cost. You know, we need to really look about the cost of bringing another dog in. You've got food and if you're feeding a good food, preferably raw, um, that can be expensive. And then you've got vet bills and medication and even equipment, um, you know, like good fitting harnesses and leads and bedding, all those sorts of things. So they're really important things that we need to think about. How much time you have uh, to be with your dog and how much time you have, you know, how much time you're away from home is really important as well. What you're going to do when you go on holidays, Harriet? You know, a lot of people don't even think about that. And then we get phone calls saying, oh, my God, I've got these dogs. Do you know where we can put them, you know, while we go away at Christmas time? So, you know, pre-planning all of those things as well. Um, just your lifestyle in general, you know, when you're getting another dog, I think it's important to think about what you like doing and will that fit in with a dog, you know, if you like bush hiking then there's no point in getting a chihuahua um you know or something like that and i suppose you could always carry it in your pack but you know it's it's thinking about those types of things and also you're ready to get this dog so you've done the preparation and you it just may not go to plan so you know you have the the meet and greet as we seem to call it these days um and it just doesn't go to plan so being aware that we might have to just cut it off, drop it and finish it on a good note and then come back and, and start again, which is actually what happened with me and Mona Lisa um, when we were bringing her into our home. So thinking and planning about what we can do um, to bring a dog in. And then the common mistakes that we make. <laughs> Some of the things that we do is not researching the breed that we're getting. So not doing our research on um, the heritage, what this particular dog was bred for, what, what it will look like, what exercise requirements it needs, um, and will it fit in with the existing dog that we have? 
Also things like environment. And I think that's really important because uh, I'll give you an example. Bringing a greyhound into your home is quite interesting. A lot of them have never seen um, stairs or slippery floors. have never walked on slippery floors before. So, you know, doing our homework and, and being prepared with our fencing and our gates and our floors and pools, making sure that everything closes and locks and not thinking through how it can actually affect the existing humans in the family as well as the existing dog in the family. And another common mistake is just going out and getting a dog on a whim. Uh, we see that quite a bit as well. And also getting a dog to fix the problem of, uh, you know, with another dog. So we might have a dog that is a fearful dog and then we go out and we get another dog because we think that might, might sort of help those things. Um, getting puppies when we have old and frail dogs. And I had a case of that just recently and it was really quite sad. It was a very old dog and they've just brought a puppy in. Um, and also young dogs with older dogs. I think that's a huge mistake. And I'm constantly saying to people, be very mindful of bringing an eight-month-old dog in with an older dog. That can be problems because of those stages of development as well. Yeah, great. That's sure. a very comprehensive list. Thank you. Yeah. And oh, sorry. There's more. I guess yeah. because I've done it for yeah, so long. It. It's you know, it's, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like just you know. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's. I mean, this is a list that applies whether you have just the, if it's your first dog or if it's actually bringing in a second dog. When you add a second dog, there's some other things I think to consider, and especially that meet and greet you were just mentioning, Jenny. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Do you have any, like, how do you do it usually or how, how did you do it? In the sure. Place? Yeah. Well, how I normally do it, I, I'm sort of lucky because of where I live. Um, I've got a large area and I'm very set up with gates and fences and, you know, I'm pretty organised with my dogs so I can close that gate and open that gate. Um, and I've done that for my dogs. You know, I've set it up, Graham and I have set it up as we've gone along. So um, how I actually do it here is the dog comes to this property and all my dogs get locked up on my deck or balcony, um, you know, so they're, they're locked in. Mm -hmm. And the new dog will come in and we just let them off. Mm -hmm. And they go and they sniff around. We always keep the harness on them, though, mm -hmm. um, just for safety reasons, so we've got something to grab if we need to. Mm -hmm. And I usually dial a friend, so I'll have a few people around just in case, mm -hmm. but everybody knows the rules, sit still, don't, you know, talk, touch the dogs, just be there. And I allow that dog to um, just get around and sniff and poo and wee and do whatever they need to do. And then I let one dog out at a time. So I normally pick the dog that I'm going to let out and that will usually be like Jet, the oldest male. Mm -hmm. um, and I let him out and they do their thing, you know, they growl at each other and sniff and wee on each other's wee and do all of that. Mm. And then I slowly let them out. So that can be, you know, like an all-day affair. It might yeah. be three hours. It could be six hours. It takes as long as it takes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I feel at some stage that I, I just intuitively feel I'm not comfortable with it, mm -hmm. we may just leave it at mm -hmm. that and, and have that dog go home again. Mm -hmm. And then we might meet up again the following week, which is mm -hmm. what we did with Mona Lisa. We met then um, somewhere else in a park and we did some nice just long lead walking. And I actually put a video up on Facebook of that okay. where uh, they were on 10 metre leads and either ends of the park. And it was good because 
Granny May looked at Mona and went, oh, I know you. I've met okay. you before. Okay. And then they slowly came together and then we just go for a nice social walk, put them in the car together and mm-hmm. come home and then slowly introduce them one by one again. So yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a very slow process because if you get it right in the beginning, yeah. it's okay. If you have a, you know, a fight, then you, yeah, yeah. it makes things a lot more difficult. Yeah, I think you're right. First impressions matter also in that case. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Don't rush it. I think, um, mm. you know, people are very, very keen. And I also don't let them in the house. So yeah. once, you know, they're in the yard, I close that gate onto the deck so no dogs come into the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got that big space and then the house is the next step. Yeah. And I prepare that as well. So yeah. I make sure that, you know, there's baby gates in certain areas. Mm, yeah. It's all done very slowly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Make sure there's no food around and so on. Yeah. Mm. Oh, definitely not. Definitely yeah. not. No food. No, I think not even a crumb. <laughs> no food. Well, and it's a big... <laughs> It's a big thing to suddenly have this new family member, right? They don't know what's going to happen. So um, yeah. I think it's a big thing to, you know, for any dog to suddenly have a, a new dog in its space yeah, and in its, its life, which maybe we don't, maybe we underestimate a little bit. It's stressful, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think too, um, Harriet, is sometimes um, our expectations, you know, I have, I have this little saying every morning when I get out of bed, no expectations, no disappointment. Mm. And, uh, mm. and I, I do that with my dogs, you know, so I, I really, like I said, I can take all day to do this. We don't, you just <laughs> don't want to rush it. Dogs are amazing. <laughs> they, they know how to communicate. They know what to do and what not to do. Mm. And I mm. think it's we humans, um, you know, like I always say to people, move away, don't stand still. If dogs mm. mill around you, move keep moving Mm. yeah um you know but dogs are great they're they're just amazing if you let them be dogs yeah 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 i agree so the next um next question we've had is what about because you know some people have the idea like i want to bring in two puppies at the same time um (laughs) uh two puppies um is there anything particularly you have to consider? Should it be siblings? What if they are siblings? Could they? Could there be this this danger? Let's say that they bond too much with each other, but not with a human. Or maybe if there's another dog in the household already, how is it gonna affect maybe that relationship? Or what is your perspective basically on this as far as bringing in two puppies at the same time? Well, I think that is a great question, <laughs> um, and it's one I've come across a lot, and. I think like puppies have lived together for decades. So to my way of thinking, it really isn't unusual in the dog world for puppies to grow, you know, and develop together. And there seems to be like two schools of thought on this topic. So one is ah, no problem at all. And the other is don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. And there's even names out there, you know, like litter mate syndrome. Um, you know, and apparently litter mates fight, so we should never have, uh, you know, litter mates together. So I guess um, in my experience, there's pros and cons. Uh, and like you just mentioned, Serena, about, you know, them, them growing together, I don't know that the, they could certainly develop a, a very deep connection. But having said that, you know, out of all the dogs I've had, Granny May and Douglas have the most amazing connection and they're not related at all. So they can grow together, they learn together 
and they form a deep connection, but that's no different to any other puppies. But it certainly could be a problem as they go on in age if they don't spend time alone uh, or as puppies if they don't spend time with other puppies and certainly adults, adult dogs. I think mm. that is really, really important and that's where we make the mistake with puppies. So I personally, you know, there's pros and cons on that. Would I ever do it? <laughs> you know what? I don't think so. Mm. Um, and the reason would not be because I was concerned about them bonding or um, fighting or any of those things. It would be simply because it's double trouble. Puppies are hard work. Like they really, really, really are hard work. <laughs> you have to put time aside. You have to be with them for at least the first four and a half months of their life. You know, mm. you've got to make sure you're home. And so they can be a handful. Um, they're mis mischievous. They get into all sorts of things. And so I just think, you know, as far as being litter mates, I don't see that as a problem. I mm. see more two puppies as a massive problem. Yeah. I'd but rather human. have one. <laughs> human. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And yeah. also two. I'm tired just um, thinking about it. I know. Oh, my goodness <laughs> me. Like, oh. Yeah. yeah, you'd have to have, you know, four four pairs of shoes. and Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Uh, just, just a nightmare. But, yeah, and also for an older dog, um, if you already had an existing older dog, yeah. that would be hard work too, yeah. you know. I think stress all round. So you'd have to be very experienced to do it, very organised to do it, have a lot of time to do it and mm. a great sense of humour. Mm. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm, definitely. I agree. I agree, yeah. I had, um, it's funny actually, I had some clients recently who had who'd taken on to um, siblings oh, and right. I had that moment of oh you know what's it going to be like but actually they just had a lot of energy for it and they did they're doing a really great job they're yeah, um that's you know, good they're sort of managing it well and they're yeah. you know doing all the right things and it just goes to show that yeah if you are sensible about it and yep um yep. actually do yes. have that energy they have a lot of energy to do it um, yes, then I yes. think it can be really great and they're a great pair of puppies that's good yeah it, it's um it's it, I remember years ago I got a phone call from a lady um, and, and she rang and she was in tears and she said, I've just had a dog trainer here. I've got two puppies, they're, um, brothers. And he's told me, I've got to get rid of these puppies. If I don't, they're going to fight. One of them's going to kill the other. I really need your help. So gosh, this was, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I went down there, you know, those dogs grew old together. They were the best friends. Mm. She never had any trouble with them. It was just crazy, you know, so it can mm. work. And then I guess another really debated kind of topic and area that we wanted to touch on relates to gender. Because um, yep. obviously many people report different things around gender, particularly that having two females in the same household can be challenging, If you know, particularly if they're not desexed. A lot of people talk about that. So I was interested in sort of how much we should consider gender when deciding on another dog and just what your, what your thoughts on that are. Um, yeah, gender's an interesting one too, and, and you're quite right. You hear a lot of people, you know, say that you can't have two dogs living together and you can't have two females living together and, mm. you know, the best combination is a male and a female. Uh, I think they're all myths and I, I really, for me, um, it's just making sure that you understand what you're doing with your dog. It really doesn't matter. I mean, I've, gosh, at the moment, I've got, um, what have I got? I've got, 
I don't, don't know what I've got. I've got three males and two females. Um, and everybody gets on really well. So again, I think it's just the individual dog and also the environment and age. Age is mm. so much more important than gender. Mm. Um, all these, you know, I think age plays a huge role in how dogs coexist together. I, I don't think gender is, is a problem at all. I really don't. I think age is. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What do I've, you think? I've seen it both also. I've seen, like in my case, my dog is a female and a male and they're just not best friends. But I had female and male before and they were just best friends. So it's, yeah. Yeah. It's really, yeah. it is not, yeah. No, what I are agree. their ages? Uh, their the male ages? is 10 and a half and the female is seven. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how long have they been together? Um, since, so the, the, we had the male first, um, I guess he was, what, like three, three or so, and she was six months when we got her, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, but like I said, before that, we also had the male before already, and we had another um, boxer then, and she was, she was older, actually. She came in, and she was an older dog than the one we had before, and they were just... It was like the adopted mom, I guess, or something. It was just this, yeah, this great relationship, by the way. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a weird, I mean, it's like, look, some females, human, get on better with females and some get on better with males. I, mm. you know, I, I, I think it's really important for us to be able to understand um, canine language, yeah. um, mm. you know, and be able to read signs and signals and be one step ahead. And of course, you know, I say it again, age. Yeah. I think that's more mm. important yeah, than, you know. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. That's a really good point. And they're all yeah. different, aren't they? So it's, you know, they're just such yeah. individuals yeah. that it's yeah. really hard to just create these blanket rules. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And also, you know, you've got breeds. So, you know, if mm. you've got, um, you know, a, a really, really sort of docile type breed and you've got a more active type breed, then that can create a problem. It doesn't matter mm. about... Yeah. They might just happen to be two males and everyone says, oh, it's because they're males, they're fighting, but not necessarily. Yeah. Not necessarily. You could have two dogs of the same breed and they don't get along. It means possible also. It's yeah. Not like just yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So one of the things you you mentioned a little bit is about that some people think they can get a second dog because okay maybe it will help the first dog with a problem. Let's say you know separation anxiety. Like a lot of people say, okay, my dog can't be alone, so I think I'm gonna get another one so that he has a buddy, or maybe a cat. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody, I don't know. Some yeah. people get cats too. Um, yeah. So what do you think about this? Do you think that could be a way to help a dog, or what should people keep in mind when they make this type of decision? Well, I certainly wouldn't get a cat, <laughs> not in my household. Um, I mean, I don't know. They might like a cat, but I don't think I'll try it. Yeah. Um, okay, so if we're talking about separation anxiety or, you know, something similar to that, getting another dog to me, and I, I say this to my clients, is like having a baby to save a marriage. I don't think it's a great thing to do because anxiety is, is a fear. It's a fear of, of separation. And so um, we need to actually work on the separation anxiety. And that's usually being away from, you know, the human. So I actually have a really good example of this. When we got Granny May, she was four and a half, I think five months old. 
and um, she had been through numerous homes. So I think she'd had about four homes. And the last one, she couldn't be away from the, uh, the foster carer and she suffered terribly with anxiety. And, you know, when I spoke to them, they said this was one of the problems that they had with her. And so the first thing that we did before we got her was we planned our whole life uh, around this dog. So we changed our work routine. So Graham and I were playing, playing tag team. We never left Granny May alone. And there were five other, six other dogs here at that stage. Um, and so what we actually did with her is I slowly over time worked in seconds, not minutes. So what I did was I would get up and walk and then come and sit back down, get up and go to the, you know, a little bit further and sit back down and moved, you know, further and further away from her until such time that she was accepting of me not uh, being with her. And then over time, she was more than happy for me to leave and go to work and um, leave her with the dogs. And then I got a friend for her. Um, so we brought in Douglas, especially for her because she was so much younger. So um, my answer to that would be, if you have a dog suffering from any sort of anxiety, fear anxiety, separation anxiety, um, I don't think bringing another dog in will help that simply because you could probably end up with two dogs in the same situation. There's this incredible thing called mirroring and we see it a lot with dogs. We see it a lot with human and dog. Um, and so, yeah, for me, I wouldn't advise that. I'd work with the problem, uh, sort the problem out and then bring another dog in. Mm, yeah, I have a couple of clients like this as well who they did it and then you know, they contact me when it's already happened. Basically, I didn't know them before. <laughs> and then it's yeah. like, well, now both of my dogs can't, don't want to be alone anymore because the one who was yeah. good before now starts and maybe he just does it because of mirroring, is starting to yeah. bark as well and so on. But yeah, now it's double trouble, basically. Yeah, and it's almost like, uh, you know, when, when people say to dogs when they're freaking out over something, it's okay. And I say to them, don't say it's okay. It's not okay. If it was okay... Yeah. They wouldn't be concerned. So um, the same thing happens with this sort of, you know, what we call separation anxiety or, um, you know, isolation is is that um, if they start doing that around another dog, another dog's going to go, well, whoa, whoa, mm -hmm. I need mm -hmm. to be scared as well. So yeah, exactly. sort the problem out first and then bring yeah. a friend in. Yeah, yeah. good idea. Mm. And so... Um, just switching a little bit, I'm also interested to talk about resource guarding. So some dogs obviously can become really protective of their food or their space or even the attention of their humans. Um, so I was just interested in what are the, some, some of the common causes of resource guarding? How can it be addressed um, to ensure that everyone stays safe and happy? Safe, yeah. Well... I can tell you firsthand that I actually made a big mistake with my dogs last year. Um, I was shopping and I thought, oh, I might just buy all my dogs a toy. So I rocked home with these toys and I thought that was exciting and I gave them all a toy and within five minutes, I was collecting them all again. <laughs> uh, so Dallas, our greyhound, believe it or not, likes to hoard things. <laughs> And so I could just see within minutes of putting those toys down, there was going to be some sort of, um, you know, 
a dog fight. I could just see it brewing. I could feel it in my bones. Yeah. Um, so guarding is a huge problem. Resource guarding, as we seem to call it. I'm not into labels. I don't really, I, I just sort of say, you know, dogs, some dogs like to carry things around or hold on to things and other things don't. Um, mm. So for me, we need to understand that, you know, certain dogs can be dominant over certain things at a certain time. So I didn't say certain dogs are dominant. I said they can be dominant over certain things at a certain time. I just want to make that yes, very clear. Good, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and so, you know, we can have a dog that decides that they want to have that particular thing. And when you've got multiple dogs, you know, you have problems. So my advice would be no toys. I don't have toys. I've never had toys. It's not a problem because I do so many other amazing things with my dogs um, that, that involve calm, you know, activity like treat searches and slow bushwalks and those sorts of things. So some of the place, you know, some of the things that they would be guard over, of course, is food and bones. Um, that's a big one. And I find dogs that have been, you know, starved of nutrition can be very, very, very possessive over food. So, you know, that, that's, that's a big one, I think. Food. Yeah. Food yeah. Food, yeah. yeah. So yeah. resource guarding. I think, again, um, Harriet, just being really sensible, mm. you know, looking at your dogs, knowing your dogs, you know, I've been in households where there's toys everywhere and the dogs are really cool with them. Mm, yeah. And if that's the case, then that's fine. My dogs aren't. Yeah. Um, and it could have something to do with their breeds. You know, we've got some big hunting dogs here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it could have something to do with that. Um, and, of course, you know, bones are about as real as you get. Every dog should have a bone. So, mm. um, you know, that's, yeah. 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 It's very funny that you say that the thing with the toys because it's the same. I only have two dogs, but it's the same way. I, I don't really leave toys around. And we also have, I should say, a, a doggy daycare, but my dogs are not always there. But yeah, um, we don't leave any toys around, especially if we have a, a group of dogs together. Um, and with my own dogs too, I did the same thing. I brought, I bought toys for them. Both got the same <laughs> toy, right? <laughs> they, they look the same, same size. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's uh, like if no. one dog wants to have both of them and then yeah. the other one wants to have yeah. both of them. And then it's like, okay. Yeah. But what I've yeah. noticed, which is funny, the toys also after a while, they're not that interesting anymore. So mm -hmm. sometimes like, when you bring them in because they're new, they're both mm. interested and then after a while I put them away and then I bring them out again and then mm. suddenly after a certain time it's just now it's just out and nobody really cares anymore so I've noticed that as well that maybe that first mm. excitement kind of goes away over a new toy and then it's yeah well that's it because too the thing is that if they get excited over the toy then those arousal hormones are going mm. and then you know we've got we've got stress we've got elevated stress and we know where that ends up so yes. for me I just don't go there um, in my household. And I don't really, they don't need them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, they're either sleeping or outside yeah. doing something more interesting that dogs should be doing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But what I, what I will say I think is, is really important with, you know, having multiple dogs and, you know, this, this resource guarding that we call it, is you have to have incredible observation skills. Mm. You really need to be able to understand dogs and, be able to read and always be one step ahead of them. Mm. You know, what's going to happen here? Could that be an issue? Mm. Um, understanding the language is imperative. And I think sadly, the general public owning dogs don't see them 
in that way and there lies our problem so you know Mm. language is very important i think that's an important point to make that Mm. that anticipation that you need to have as a human to be able to to kind of guess what's going to happen next Mm. i was just going to say it's i always say to people it's like riding a motorbike um which i do it's you've got to have tight legs and and loosey-goosey up top and you've got to be always watching you know what's going on around you what's behind you is that woman going to open that car door is that child going to run out in front so you you know everything around Mm. you it it becomes really sensitive you know and you're Mm -hmm. and you're watching all the time so yeah Mm. just being one step ahead of them And I think like you mentioned, also just really knowing your, knowing your dog and what is precious to them and important to them, I think is very important. My yeah. previous dog um, had been starved before, that's before he um, arrived, had a really awful past. And he yeah. was very possessive, of course, around food. He was very, food. you know, mm-hmm. we're not with people, but with other dogs. So if we had sort of mm-hmm. foster dogs, he'd be very concerned. But toys, he could not care less. Mm-hmm. Toys were just completely irrelevant to him. So obviously yeah. it's, that wasn't an issue, but it's just, it's understanding where, where were your dogs struggle, yeah. where might yeah. not, and really sort of thinking about that all the yeah. time, like you Definitely. say. Yeah. 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 We've got the same problem with Douglas. Um, Oh, it was ravenous when we got him, you know, he was, he was fed a dry food and he, his body was just ravenous and that dog around food, you know, it took us about six mm. months before I even fed him on the deck with the other dogs. Um, you would give him a bone, not towards people, but it was just like food, give me mm-hmm. food, food, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so we, we're always there. We split if we need to. You know, we, we're really, really careful around yeah. food and the yeah. dogs. Yeah. Mm. I agree. And it, should, it shouldn't be stressful for dogs when they eat. Like they no, should have their exactly. own, you know, they, yeah. should be, they should be safe when they eat. And yeah, I had the same issue with my rescue dog. And I now I have to laugh now because now she's seven years old. And now I think I finally did it. I've gotten her full. She's not, she's not like, oh, <laughs> she's, she's, anymore. No, she's now, now I put the bowl down and she says she's yeah. like sniffing the food. It's like, oh, okay, yes, I'll eat that. <laughs> So yeah, finally I so, did it after seven years. Yes, that sounds very familiar, actually. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's interesting you said that because I've all, I've said to Graham, you know, I've just seen it over the years with these dogs. You know, the ones that have been starved of nutrition. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so there you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and uh, maybe one last question we we thought we wanted to ask is um, when what would be the signs would you say that it's not a good idea to bring another dog into the household? Like what are some, yeah, I guess what are some signs that dogs would show what, like, especially when you talk about body language, what would you, um, what would you look for to tell you, okay, that's, that's not going to work. When your partner says no more dogs. Yeah. That's another sign. No, that's, that's irrelevant. Loud and clear. (laughs) It is actually. I know. You just come up with a name that involves like his name and then you're okay, like Douglas being his <laughs> name or That's Granny May being... I haven't tried that yet. Yeah, well, Granny <laughs> May, you see, is Granny, is Graham and Jenny put together. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. so, right. yeah, don't worry, I'm on to that. I'll let you know how I so, go with that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the first, you know, the first thing really um, sensibly would be if the group is really well established... You know, if, if you've got your dogs, you've got one or two dogs and they're well established, they get on well, I probably wouldn't upset the apple cart. Um, if you've got a dog, a singular dog that 
really, you know, has a great life. You spend a lot of time with them. You work from home and you go out. The dog's fine. You do lots of beautiful, calming activities and the dog just enjoys its own company. Then, you know, why fix what ain't broke? Why bring another dog in? They're really important things to think of, you know, when it's not a good idea to bring a, a dog in. Um, there's other things, you know, that come into play. And of course, the first one is, if you really haven't thought it through, I, the best question you can ask yourself is where you're going to be in another 15 years. And, um, you know, because a lot of people rent and then they might have to leave and, and then they're stuck and they've got these dogs. So it is a lifetime commitment when you take these dogs on. The responsibility is huge. Also things like a newborn baby. Um, you know, it's probably not a good time to bring a dog in. Moving house. And any changes that you might be doing in the home. Like, for example, you might find yourself a new husband. Um, or renovations, you know, you might be doing renovations. Christmas is a terrible time to bring a dog into your home. There's so much going on. Why on earth anyone would want mm. to bring a dog into a home at Christmas, a puppy or any dog? Mm. If you have a very old and frail or ill dog, it's not a time to bring another dog in. Um, just wait, you know, yeah. just wait until. Yeah. There's a better time. Um, also, like we talked about, dogs with issues, not a good time to bring them in. Children, you know, I think children and dogs, it's a wonderful thing to see children grow up with dogs. And I grew up on a property and, uh, and I had dogs, but I tell you what, we were taught right from wrong. And, you know, if we did the wrong thing, we paid the consequence. And so I think it's great children growing up with dogs but parents need to be really invested in that particular challenge. Mm, so mm. if they are, that's a good time to get a dog. And of course, you know, again, I keep harping on about it, age. You know, don't get a dog if the dog that you're thinking of getting is of a particular age and you already have a dog that, you know, that, that could cause conflict in the home. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, yeah, there's many reasons to not get a dog. I think... Just make sure that you are completely 110% committed to this dog. You know, they're not commodities. You can't just bring them in. If it doesn't work out, get rid of them. I know when I've brought dogs in here, you know, I've had the rescue group say to me, if it doesn't work out, you can bring them back. And I say, you know what? The minute that they set foot in my motor vehicle, they're staying. Mm -hmm. I Like come hell or high water, I will make it work somehow. And I always have, you know, I've never taken a dog back. Amazing. So, yeah, you've highlighted loads of complexity. I feel like this is a topic we could talk about for a long time. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. we'll have I to get it. you back to <laughs> part two. Um, but just to, just to finish, we'd love to know where people can find you online or if they want to find out more from you, where they go. Yeah, sure. So we have a um, website, completepet.com.au. And on that website, it covers um, everything that we do from the raw food to all the um, natural products that we carry. Um, and we have a Facebook, oh, I have a few Facebook pages actually. We've got co the Complete Pet Company Facebook page. We've got Complete Canine Communications Facebook page. We now have PDT Australia. 
um, we have their Indeed. Facebook page now. Mm -hmm. So um, there's always, you know, I'm always putting up new information on there as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, you can, you know, always find there's always something coming up and I've got plenty of uh, workshops and events and we run the annual symposium here in Australia as well, bringing, you know, one international speaker out. So there's always plenty of, you know, things going on. They can have a look in the event section on the web website there. Perfect. Yeah. We'll awesome. link those on the show notes, in the show notes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to add for also people listening in Australia um, is that you also sell, I think, the Hakihana oh. harnesses and leads, um, which is very hard to find in Australia. So um, mm, okay. for Aussie listeners, yeah. that's a really good place to go for great, great equipment as well. Well, we're, we're the Australian distributor for them, Harriet. So mm. we're, we're the mugs that, you know, bring them in. So <laughs> it's cool. Well, it's great. <laughs> yeah. I was very and happy to also... discover it. <laughs> Well, good. I think that will wrap it up for today. Thank you again, Jenny, for all this information, all the great insights, all the fun stories that you shared with us and the time you took today. Um, I hope to your listeners, of course, I hope to, that you all liked it and that um, you'll join us again next time. We will put out another episode every two weeks and we are, yeah, we are happy for feedback. Make sure you contact us if you have any questions or any feedback, any ideas and we'll be happy to talk to you. Thank you all for listening. Thanks again, Jenny. And Thank you for having me, guys. It was really enjoyable. I, I, I had a good time. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.